is now and online to kpfa.org. The time is now 3 p.m. Stay tuned for a Stone's Throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Today is Tuesday, February the 5th, 2013. This week I really hope to be focused. I'm still trying to nail down the subject of, well, the subject of violence, but more than that, the subject of uh, Friendly fascism, as I find it on the screen, both on film and television. Truth is, I'm still fragmented. It's this, uh, shotgun. <laughs> oh, yes, a scattershot feeling, uh, bits and pieces everywhere. I, I am roadkill on the information highway. Uh, it's impossible to synthesize, uh, first of all, the propaganda on our mass media, and then, maybe most of all, all the talk about guns, guns, and, you know, <laughs> why? Why, last week, I started, uh talked about biopics, like The Iron Lady, the one about Maggie Thatcher, and J. Edgar Hoover. The uh, Clint Eastwood directed it, the movie about J. Edgar Hoover, the creator of the FBI. Now, those films aren't out-and-out lies, uh, but somehow the subtext, uh, what we're left with, is the notion that J. Edgar Hoover was a great American hero, at least in his own mind, uh, Maggie Thatcher, uh, well, uh, I don't see her as a feminist hero, no, but <laughs> she did certainly uh, fight the good fight uh, with the boys in the British Parliament, I guess. Oh, I, I guess I have to wait till the dust settles, the mud settles, Gertrude Stein says, yes, mud settles. I keep going through my nose and I throw away more things than I keep. I find that uh, what sticks to my own psyche is the treatment of violence, the, uh, you know, the glasses, the telescope, whatever it is we see it through. When I was in the school teaching business, they used to tell us about something called psychological set. That is what people are ready to receive. That is... Uh, 
no, how to prepare the soil so it can soak up information. You know, the truth will set you free, but not if you can't can't find it. Let's see. Uh, the screen is just a mirror. You know, uh, I'm sick to death of the pundits who tell us that uh, the video games and everything that they teach, teach, teach us uh, how to be violent. It's not that they they condition us to repeat these things. That is true. Uh, and the images, the images stick to the brain stem. That's true. I remember back in the 1980s when the Rambo pictures hit, I thought, oh, my God, here we go again. The president at that time, uh, first George, uh, he's the one who was telling people to kick the Vietnam syndrome. No, get back, get back in the saddle, boys. Now, uh, today... The better films are uh, more subtle, you know. Uh, you know how that goes. Um, pictures, you see all these horrific rapes, but then in the last scene, they catch the rapist, you see, something like that. Uh, what sticks to the brainstem, of course, are the images of violence. Now, I don't think there's any question, but we will always have an ambiguous uh, response when I was very young, the idea was that if we exposed crimes, it might help stop crimes. This is still uh, up for argument. Uh, the the uh, uh, smash bash films, the carnage films, you know, uh, just noise from start to finish. That's, you know, like an explosion, a video game, whatever. Uh that's the emotional ecstasy, the enjoyment of mayhem. Don't we all love to see things blow up? Yes, Medea, the myth of Medea. I remember I loved acting in that play when Medea decides to kill her children and ruin the uh, state. She says, let the whole house crash. I remember when my children were little, how much fun we had, you know, just knocking everything down. Very restful. <laughs> the truth is, uh, I'm sick to death of all this talk about guns and the pathology of guns. Ah, do guns kill? No, it is sons who kill. Sons. Uh and fathers, it bothers me uh, to talk about gender because, you know, once in a while someone will mention that the uh, the berserkers, the people who are shooting up the malls and the schools and any place where people are gathered together, that these are men. And uh, sometimes, well, I will always get few phone calls telling me that I practice male bashing. Indeed, indeed I do, yes. Um, I have to say every time over and over again, uh, um, most violent acts, you know, are performed by men. Uh, most murderers are male, 85% male. Uh, but most men are not violent. 
somehow or another that doesn't come through. Uh, I always get the feedback that I'm picking on uh, the males in our society. I sat up late last night reading Phyllis Chesler's book about men. It's a hard book to find. Uh, it's all about the mythopoetics of gender. Uh, let me read you a passage just to give you a flavor of what she's up to. She's a psychologist. Her book that you may have read is called Women and Madness. She writes, young soldiers lie dead, you know, sent to war by commanding father figures. How proud, how sad their fathers are. Their fathers, who never meant them any harm. Later, she says, slowly I began to understand that father-wounded sons never recover. Never confess, never remember. Slowly I began to understand why women can never satisfy the longing of boys. Boys who are love-starved for their fathers. Why women can never exorcise the grief of men. Men lured by their fathers into wanting the impossible. Revenge, reunion, redemption. God Almighty's benevolent protection. Protection against other men. Against the original female parent. They want a magic male amulet. A son's shield against the rising hot shame of childhood vulnerability. I think she's got it. Let's see what else she says. She says that Freud, the father of Oedipal interpretation, Freud, who bequeathed me, she says me, she being a psychologist, bequeathed me the net of opposites in which to catch the truth. Freud, the son, could no more remember the terror of father violence than could Freud, the father, admit to such deeds. She, she goes on to say, only yesterday I asked a male psychiatrist to tell me about the male fear of male violence. And he said that that wasn't the problem at all. No, what really frightened him were these gangs of teenage girls who took up the whole sidewalk. No, he said, lighting his pipe. It is women that men fear most of all. Oh, yes, what a trip. Uh, displacement. Uh, how we do, how we do trade, change things around. Uh, that wonderful book, Male Fantasies. Uh, I'm going to read you that one of these days again soon. It's a little too grim. I don't see why we should add to the horrors that we, <laughs> we hear on uh, television. Uh, by telling you that all of this stuff is ancient and mythic and, uh, uh, what is it, still deep, deep in the human psyche, and God knows we haven't looked at it. Uh, <laughs> yes, here we go, here's another passage from Phyllis Chesler. She says, the guilt 
of lamenting sons and blinded fathers is truly insupportable. It burns, it burrows, it explodes like these weapons that both men use to rid themselves of each other's flesh. And even, I would comment, yes, of the flesh of little children, the young, the babies. Last night I was watching a large male lion eating the cubs of uh, children who were, uh, well, pups, pardon me, the... the uh, uh, the, the little pups of the uh, uh, lioness who had had the nerve to have babies that were not his. You know the sort of thing. Uh, chews on their skulls. Yum, yum. <laughs> I don't know. They tell me that when we've studied the brain long enough, we will understand the human nervous system and we will understand the sources of violence, and we will be able to educate ourselves. Somebody said that education is the willful acquisition of vile, of, what is it, vulnerability, vulnerability. Uh, that's it, that's it. Uh, somewhere in Phyllis Chester's book, she talks about the fear over and over again, she talks about the male fear of vulnerability, loss of control, you know. Children remember when they couldn't handle things, when they saw their mother being beaten, that kind of thing. Uh, okay, what else does Phyllis Chesler have to say? Just a little bit more. Uh Yes, the face of our earth is half eaten away by the syphilis of greed. Cliffs fall into the sea, boulders have sprung up where only yesterday wheat fields grew. Wealthy men, by gold, move to Brazil where they have been told the nuclear rays will strike last. Stalin, Hitler, Nixon, grandiose, mediocre, paranoid, humiliated, classic father-wounded sons. Even more father-wounded than those men who submit to them. That's a hard one to know, yes, to understand whether these submissive sons, their wounds are... Uh, perhaps not as deep as the wounds of the tyrants. Anyway, she goes on to say the battle cries of disinherited sons rise up in ghettos, in colonies everywhere, starving rebel barbarians at the gates of the deadly king. There they go, Egypt, yes. Let us go to the king's palace and uh, behead that. <laughs> that's some bitch. Anyway, in fury and hunger, she writes, they call for the father's sacrifice. They say, let us make a new religion. Call it brotherhood. If blood must be shed, let it be the father's, not the son's. <laughs> oh, make up your mind, boys, make up your mind. Uh, obviously, the solution is to destroy something whatever's around. Uh, 
I think the last thing I read told me that uh, men usually are uh, after other men. They wish to destroy other men. That women are just surrogate. Uh, they wish women to be under control. They don't particularly want to murder them. They just want to get them out of the way. I think. Uh, I think that <laughs> there's enough. There's enough primal fear and dread to go around. Uh, it is strange or odd to me that uh, a man with a gun would want to destroy a child who c cannot do him any harm doesn't seem reasonable but of course we're not talking about reason here are we yes I'm going to uh, get out of that book Phyllis Chesler's about men it's quite frightening that book uh kind of indicates that there's no way out of this method. Uh, she does talk a lot about Freud. Um, yes, Freud. Yes, Freud got it wrong, but he got it. I know that. Uh, I mean, he was looking at the right thing, the uh, repression that we suffer. There is a movie I've mentioned before on these airwaves that I can recommend. Uh, again, I think they got it wrong in the movie, but... Check it out. It's called Dangerous Method. Kira Knightley plays the patient. It's a patient that came to Carl Jung and then later to uh, Sigmund Freud, and she became a psychiatrist. Uh, interesting. Uh, Freud needs to keep his authority because his uh, heir apparent, Carl Jung, challenges his authority. Well, Jung is rich, has a rich wife. There's that. And, uh, of course... Freud is a Jew. Freud says that's why there's a problem, right? Uh, so there's more than there's more than just uh, what you call that uh, a blood feud going on. What is it? I think power is the closest we could get to a word uh, for what they're fighting over. Uh, here's an essay that I wrote a hundred years ago. I'm working on. I'm still working on. I'm going to rewrite it because. Uh, I still haven't any answers. It's all about uh, finding the father. starts with a poem by Adrian Rich. Uh, let me read you just a few lines from the poem. Adrian Rich, the feminist writer we lost recently. She wrote, If I am death to man, I have to know it. His mind is too simple. I cannot go on sharing his nightmares. My own are becoming clearer. They open into prehistory, which looks like a village lit with blood where all the fathers are crying, My son is mine. Now, I don't know whether she's talking about property or patrimony or what. Um, what I am trying to figure out, and the, the path I'm on, trying to finish this essay before I die, just once come up with an answer, <laughs> no answers, uh, is what is it about uh, our thinking, you know, that separates the men from the boys, and even better, what separates the men from the women? How do women solve problems? Uh, when women are faced with an issue like these guns... What do they do? Uh, obviously, if you look at the movies, you will see that they go out and get a gun, yes. I always say, uh, 
carry a gun, don't carry a grudge, you know, carry a gun like the rest of the boys. Anyway, uh, I think we might discover something if we took the time to figure out how women solve problems. This comes up once in a while when we put women in the police force or, you know, in uh, the sort of jobs where the usual custom is to be aggressive. Uh, you know, when they uh, enter the military, I used to think that putting women in the military would alter our view of war, you know. Uh, so far, I think that's, what is it, the old phrase we used to use, that's working uh, only only at the fringes. Uh, we used to say, add women and stir. And <laughs> then they just kind of dissolve into the mix. I don't know. The woman uh, I listened to on the radio last night was talking about uh, getting jobs in combat. And, of course, that's just about the money. She says women are already in combat if they are in the military. Uh, so if it's a question of them getting the same or uh, just a decent wage for the work they do, then, of course, we have to be for it. That's the only democratic answer to that one. But the whole notion that there might be ways to avoid confrontation to avoid wars, to use consensus. I don't want to claim that that's uh, uh, a woman-only area, but I think uh, let's call it let's call it a, a feminine approach. Once again, that will make men wince. It is so difficult because the language makes it makes it a problem for us. I used to try to tell students that uh, feminism got started in. <laughs> In, in England, because we don't have gender nouns, right, in the Latin languages, every object is a male or female, even a table, you know. Whereas in English, we don't gender our nouns, so we can talk about uh, men and women in a different way. And, you know, so we can give them the vote and women can be our fellow men and that kind of thing. But it gets harder and harder. Uh, I think maybe we've got to just drop the terms masculine and feminine. I think that's the secret. Let's just use silly words like progressive. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm looking here. The essay that I wrote was basically about the men's mythopoetic movement. You remember Robert Bly. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I really liked what... Uh, Bly was saying most of the time because, well, besides we all know men are more fun when they're wild, uh, we don't want them to uh, uh, lose their, uh, what you call that, uh, their wild man stuff. What worries me is an element of woman blaming that gets into that uh, rap. Uh, you know, Bly used to tell a story about a friend of his, the man's mother and father split up when he was... 12, and after 10 years living with his mother, this man took a train, go and find his father, and he told his father, I don't accept any more my mother's view of you, and his father burst into tears and said, now I can die. Okay. Yes, Bly says, you can't expect a clear picture of your father from your mother. God, no, you can't. Uh, 
obviously, this is all about loyalties. This is all about love. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of thought that at least I was able to accept the fact that a son could love his father and his mother. Uh, that, what is it? That, uh, it's like all of our, uh, love objects, the whole notion that if you love one thing, you love another thing less. That's the problem in the thinking. I have found that that's not true. Uh, if you can love one thing, you can usually go and love another. You know, maybe you could start with puppies. Empathy is very painful. Uh, but I think, uh, what is that I'm trying to think, when it would start being painful... Mm-hmm. We have to go back to the time before language. That's the problem, right? I used to talk all the time about what we called breast reading, you know. If you read stories at the breast, yes, uh, associated with the maternal, with milk, tell fathers to hold their babies at, uh, you know, just hold them in their arms the way women do when they're breastfeeding. Again, I hear them wincing. I used to remember telling veterans uh, who had post-traumatic stress syndrome that their emotional state could be compared to that of battered wives. And again, they found this offensive because uh, there was this gender problem. They didn't want to think of themselves as battered men. Uh, they did know that they had suffered, of course, uh, and that war had left them in a shattered state, but uh, they didn't want to feel like a weak woman. Uh, anyway, stories like the one I just told hurt my feelings, and uh, I am aware that Robert Bly didn't endorse witch-burning. Uh, however, those plays and rituals that they do over in Bohemian Grove at the Old Boys Network do make me very angry. Uh, Ah, oh, yes, uh, that movie Ben-Hur, you remember? Down Venus, up Mars, Charlton Heston, the Roman soldiers, right? Suppress the feminine. It's the only thing that can make you a real soldier. Uh, I guess they're on to something. It's very interesting. Uh, that sort of stuff does seem to cheer them up. I wish that... Uh, the male, does it, the male groups, the male, uh, poetic, uh, well, they're not, they're not meeting the way they used to. I wish the, the guys that are talking about things would just discuss the male malaise, uh, their spiritual malaise and what they're doing to fix it. I don't think that most men can, uh, can well they they may feel that they're oppressed but a spiritual problem is not not exactly oppression i don't know i remember watching my father come home from hunting and how cheerful he was and what a wonderful uh party we all had and uh, we'd barbecue the animals the things he'd shot and you know oh uh, there was this tarzan jane thing and the yin and the yang of it all. Uh, Virginia Woolf used to say that the trick 
is to be man-womanly or woman-manly. That is a hard concept to get across to the young. Adolescents don't get it at all. Seems to me they're very anxious to be very womanly or very manly because it turns them on. And I've just got to my point, which is how uh, how sex is the best thing in life, but it causes us the most difficulties. Ah, uh, well. Uh, next week, I'll try to discuss the difference between an androgene and a hermaphrodite. <laughs> and next week, we start on... Uh, our fundraising marathon and I'll have a biography of Thornton Wilder then hoping to make you subscribe to this station this has been Jennifer Stone till next Tuesday at 3 o'clock go easy and if you can't go easy go as easy as you can drop the shadow KPFA listeners, KPFA's Community Advisory Board, or the CAB, needs new members, people with a diversity of racial, ethnic, age, gender, and socioeconomic backgrounds. The CAB assesses the programming needs and preferences of people in KPFA's listening area and reports its findings to the local station board and management. To nominate somebody you know or yourself, email the CAB at cab.kpfa at gmail.com to request a nomination form. You can also email us with any questions. Nominations must be received by 5 p.m. on March 18, 2013. New cab members will then be selected by the local station board. Serving on the cab or urging your friends and co-workers to do so is a great way to help your community and KPFA.